Welcome to Theosophia, a podcast for women's voices in theology. I'm your host, Sarah Elizabeth Smith, and today is round two with singer, songwriter, recording artist, and LGBT advocate Jennifer Knapp. In this episode, I asked Jennifer why she went to divinity school and how her faith continues to guide her life and her sense of community as a traveling musician and speaker. She's currently on tour with her Kansas and Love Comes Back Around sets. Check out her latest work and tour dates on her website, jennifernapp.com, and you can follow her on all the social media platforms. Welcome again, the lovely Miss Jennifer Knapp. Why did you feel like you needed to go back to school and study theology? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I, I still, it's been like three years now, like, and I still don't know how to really like succinctly answer that question. I mean, part of, part of it's just a, a, a deep love that I have for, for ta- diving into like the deep intellectual theological thought. Like it, to me, that you know I know some people love to go on a Sunday morning and hear really great music and raise their hands and I would I weep at reading Niebuhr so (laughs) right you know like I don't know how to explain it except for to say it's deeply fulfilling to me personally um but part of it was kind of in relation to uh getting involved with the conversation around uh, LGBTQ inclusion in the church and just understanding that I, I, I had a microphone to talk and I'd often exercise my, you know, when, when I get a microphone to talk about uh, queer inclusion in the church, but I also didn't, I didn't feel like I had the authority to mm. be able to kind of dive into some of the deeper theological issues. So I, I wanted, even though I don't, I don't think anything is essentially a, a changed about my theological process. And I wouldn't necessarily say that I've gotten smarter or, you know, think any differently necessarily than when I began, but it was, I wanted to know for certain that I was executing a skill set inside of a tradition that I was starting to respect more and more. Mm-hmm. And if, if I wanted to be a voice inside of my faith community that, it was in part a, a move to show respect of the tradition and of the high gravity I give to thinking things, like not just thinking things, thinking things through, but the responsibility of what it means to teach and to talk about yeah. this faith. And yeah. I think part of that was my raising my hand and saying, yeah, I'm willing to be, held to a, a higher level of accountability. Yeah. And in order to do that, I was actually really eager also to, to kind of see the, the history and the legacy of people who have done the same and the people that I admire that, that have done the same. So, um, yeah, I didn't have any great, you know, I don't have any great illusion. I didn't have any grand designs of saying, you know, I wanted to graduate with my MTS and move on to PhD work. Right. Anytime anybody mentions it, I usually hit them in the face <laughs> as fast as I can. But uh, no, I just, I deeply enjoyed being there and understanding the process. And I think that's paying dividends on, 
on some of the conversations that I have um, out in the advocacy world as well. And, you know, hopefully later on down the the track, I'm, I'll, I'll, when I'm a little less fatigued from the divinity school experience, think about writing and putting some of this stuff down in a paper. Yeah. Because I think now, like, I've, I've thought about, you know, I've, I've written theologically for, for decades, actually. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know it. Oh, absolutely. And I wouldn't ever think of publishing without knowing that I was willing to, to be printed. You know, like, it, it becomes, I have a concept as a musician, right? And having recorded stuff. Like, once you record it and it's out there, you're now responsible for it in ways and the gravity of that really deeply matters to me. And so oh, yeah. being able to have the skill set with the, the Divinity School, I didn't, I just didn't want to be like an armchair quarterback anymore. Right. I, I really wanted to, to be able to go, no, man, you can put me in, put me in the game. Right. Like I'm ready to go. Right. I love that. Um, I think too, people of faith who go on for furthering their theological education, for me, um, a lot of it, and what I heard you say too, it for me, it's spiritual practice, big time reading, like reading those texts, like light my world on fire. They fill up my heart in a way that I get a little bit closer to God and understanding God um, through the intellectual game. But also I care so much. I just, I care, I care, I care. I care about all the things you just said about like being more accountable to the faith, understanding it more, to be able to speak in the language um, and to speak well and not just be like you said, what'd you say? Arm, quarterback from armchair arm, quarterback. Arm quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard that phrase. Yes, I have. I just, <laughs> You're in Oklahoma. No, Come definitely, on. <laughs> definitely. I just couldn't think of it quickly enough. Yeah. Backseat driver or something. Um they, have you it's a it's a long time ago but um bill maher did a a documentary called religious religious i can never say the word religious 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 like ridiculous only religion religious oh, okay and it's uh, gosh it's better than 10 years old now yeah. and it's 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 somewhat mean i to, i'm putting it nicely to say it's somewhat mean-spirited toward uh particularly evangelical or conservative or fundamentalist christianity right but the the thing the reason why i mentioned it is because when i when i first saw that doc- documentary i laughed my ass off and i thought it was the funniest thing i'd ever seen and you know i enjoyed mocking the things that had hurt me and then at the same time, somewhere in there, I realized that it wasn't funny anymore because a lot of the people that I, I realized that a lot of people that that had hurt me didn't actually study their faith. They didn't know you couldn't answer. You couldn't ask them, what is Christianity? Right. You couldn't ask, you know, what you couldn't ask like a fairly basic question about grace and then you know somebody might be able to describe it to you but so you might not say you know you might not be able to have the next step and wondering how that is applicable beyond just the religious talk and the religious speak like what does that really mean Uh to be graceful and to give grace when you know your father has left you and you have nothing left like what what does that mean right how does that play out um, it's, so part of like ignorance, for, I don't mean ignorance to be like, and, an, you know, you know, a, 
a curse onto somebody. Like sometimes we just don't know. And I think part of my experience was I realized that I was, and actually you'd done, you had done a podcast with uh, Dean Towns, mm-hmm. who's at Vanderbilt over at university. And I'd had a conversation with her one day when I was contemplating going back to school. And, you know, she's, she, she basically said to me, you know, it's kind of unusual what you do. <laughs> like not everybody reads what you've been reading. Not everybody spent decades reading what you've been reading. Not everybody is is educated about the theology of the faith that they practice. Um, And, you know, it wasn't comparative. She's just saying, you know, she's basically saying this, this is something that, that isn't an accident, you know, that people do do this and this is a meaningful exercise and that this is important for the future of our church. Um, and not that only a some of us do that. I'm not saying everybody has to go to divinity school, but I was shocked really as I started to realize how few people inside of the, the, the faith that I grew up in did little more than know anything other than the singular interpretation that they'd had in the room. And so if that interpretation was too narrow or was damaging or wrong, the alternatives were to not be a part of that community anymore. And that to me was, it was problematic one, because I thought that was, you know, I, I think that fundamentally restricts the divine. Oh man. Um, you know, what does that say about God? If I don't know something and God is willing to punish me for that. Yeah. Like that's, like that's a question. You know, the language I just used for that is not highly academic. Right, right, right. Anybody can string those words together. What does it mean to say about God when God would punish me for something that I didn't know was wrong? Yeah. Right. That's a deeply theological question. Yes, very much. You know, and I've talked about this kind of stuff for a long time, but I think that was for me, like I wanted to be around those people that were asking those kinds of questions. And I wanted to be able to understand that in a way that connected me to both the everyday theologian that I, you know, and people like me and the everyday theologian and, and, at the same time, like, I felt like I needed more. I needed more tutelage. Like, I was running out of things that I knew how to do on my own. Right. Um, not that I, you know, not that I was a, a master by any means, but I didn't know what to do next. And right. so I wanted to go to some place that was going to give me a skill set. Now, after, you know, now that I've been at Vanderbilt, you know, after a couple of years at Vanderbilt and walking away with that, I have got a lifetime of learning to do. Like, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like how am I going to talk about atonement theology? Like, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. Like I need to go home and read for like the next five years before I really want to tell you what I think. (laughs) Oh, it's rigorous. It's like a drinking from a fire hose. Um, (laughs) That's a really great example. Yeah, it really is. Um, I compare it to med school, you know, like it's sort of, I've heard my brother went to med school and he describes it as the same way. And I often talk about how important it is for our, especially our clergy or anyone who's speaking with some sort of authority on matters of religion and faith to have education and to know what the hell they're talking about. Like you said, um, Cause we would never just, you know, have a doctor operate on us that didn't go to medical school. Right. Um, or <laughs> a mechanic who didn't go learn how to, you know, fix cars. So why on earth would we have 
someone who never, you know, was educated in a community by professionals um, and be held to standards and be tested and go through a rigor to earn a degree, um, why would you entrust your soul and your spirituality to that person? Um, that's my big critique of these um, well, free yeah, churches. I mean, well, and at the end of the day, I mean, you know, even, you know, I've been playing guitar for a long time. I'm getting ready to go on tour and I still, I'm still going to practice. Yeah. You know, I, I think there's, when you understand what's ahead of you, I think, and, and you care about what's ahead of you and you, uh, you care about being fruitful in the work that you do, you, you practice the skill of it. And I think that, that for me was part of, part of my, I think, like in the early years of my faith, like when, when somebody, when I was told to, to be a Christian, right. And to do all the things to become a Christian, I, I, when, and I was supposed to know the Bible. Right. And I, I actually read my Bible deeply and intensely. And not only did I read my own Bible, like I read what other people were reading about the Bible. I, I, I did early on get like really frustrated. I, I never really got a lot about, I never really enjoyed those books from authors who were saying, this is what this means. And this is how you're supposed to do. This is what you're supposed to do next. And this is what good Christian girls look like. And this is what a good wife, like that kind of stuff. Just, I, I would go numb, but people who were like, like the way I would describe it is like, kind of like farming, like the people who tilled the earth, right. the, you know, to get in there and not, not stir it up for the sake of destruction, but cult, like turn the earth and turn it up for the sake of, producing mm. fruit mm. those were the kinds of authors that i was reading so anywhere you know anywhere from now uh to harvey cox i got really curious about the bible for a while so i got into bart Ehrman, and yeah. I, I had no idea that quote-unquote biblical scholarship was like a thing <laughs> um and i had no idea that even people that i didn't agree with fundamentally or theologically would still inspire me to think deeply about what it is like I just didn't want what I said and what I like I cared about my faith enough that I didn't want what I said and by default because I do teach even though I don't teach because people watch what I do and I'm aware that people watch what I do right and I'm on a podcast so I'm responsible for the things that I come that come out of my mouth like I didn't want to do that without knowing that I'd I, I'm invested and I'm doing the work to make that to be as fruitful as possible. Yeah. Are you a part of a church or like consider yourself, you know, like I usually don't say I'm a Christian. I say I'm Episcopalian because I want you to understand. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like you, you starting you, there, you have a hard time associating like most more progressive Christians have a hard time saying, you know, I'm a Christian because there's so much baggage and bullshit that comes with that word nowadays. Yeah. I just say I'm Episcopalian and, or I'm Anglican. (laughs) You know, I mean, I want you to. The fundamentalists will already know that you're not really on the cards. Yeah. They'll just disregard me immediately and then it'll be fine. Um. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh, what do I choose? Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not a part of a, an everyday congregation. I've, there's a couple of churches that I bounce around when I get a chance here in Nashville, but um, yeah, like I, I mean, it's in terms of identity, like I, I really hate the label. <laughs> 
I mean, I, I say, yes, I'm a Christian and I, I don't necessarily use it as an identity. It's a starting place for understanding the, the concept. The, the other thing that I say is that, that Christianity is the, like the language, my spiritual language. Like it is, it is the, yeah, just, it is the language that I know how to speak when I'm talking about spirituality, even though I may entertain somebody else's tradition. Like I, I still feel like there, there are other traditions that I deeply respect. Absolutely. Um, but Christianity is the tradition and the way that I will practice my interaction with the divine. Yeah. Uh, outside of that. Yeah. I'm, I'm still pretty much, a, you know, I don't want to say I'm a lone wolf because I have community. It's just not in the traditional ways. Yeah, I was going to ask, what does community look like for you then these days? Yeah. Um, yeah. Strangely, like I, I feel like, you know, I shudder to think if anyone hears the wrong person hears this, but, uh, like going out and playing shows, like, uh, it's like a church (laughs) and I don't mean, yeah. And I don't mean it in the sense of, you know, there's no, you know, half the time when I say God, it's probably like, you know, in vain, (laughs) but the participation and, and what's happening in the spirit of that community and where I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say where I am trying to lead it, but whatever is happening in that room that I'm in charge of spiritual thing that's you're creating. It's a spiritual moment doing music and people interacting with it. Like what else is it? Yeah. I I don't know that I necessarily feel like I'm setting any course, but there are often rooms that of, of mass collection of people that I'm at the rudder and that's, it's my role to kind of, you know, guide that boat to safety through that moment in that time. And if, you know, to me, that's, that's like church uh-huh. and it's, and it's fellowship. And after that, you know, I'll, I'll do a show for a couple of hours. And then after the show, I'm talking with a lot of people and there's, you know, sometimes with just individuals one at a time. And sometimes before we know it, there's six of us standing around and we're in deeply engaged in this conversation. Am I teaching scripture? No, but I am <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like there, you know, I, I understand because I can see it and because I understand that it's, you know, that there's a, a theology behind the way that I work and a way that I practice, but that probably freaks some people out. I would never say that. Like, yeah. but yeah, so I, I'm, I'm really trying to re I used to feel really guilty about not belonging to a church where I paid my dues. Uh, I don't, I, for the life of me, you can't nail me down to a denomination. I wouldn't know how to do it. Right. Um, but you know, I definitely lean very heavily on, you know, the Wesleyan quadrilateral and, um, and I also hear in the back of my mind because I haven't affiliated, I hear, I still hear the voices in my head, like, well, how come you don't belong to a church? And how come you don't belong to a particular denomination? And I'm like, because I cherry pick and I'm irresponsible and I don't like people. (laughs) (laughs) But that's not what I mean. Like somehow in that, all I know is that I'm, I'm responsible to serving in my culture in this way now. And occasionally I get to, occasionally I get to go and have a gift of sitting on my butt at a church and letting somebody else lead. And I really enjoy that. Um, they're few and far between, but 
yeah, like I have a community quote unquote out there. Yeah. And I, yeah, I don't, I don't, it's, it's a, it's no less a church, you know, in any way that, you know, our forefather, you know, in any of us refer to the entire community of humanity who turns toward God, the church. Yeah. I, I don't know how to get around that, yeah. but at the same time, you know, I, I still think there's an, a, I'm still, it's particularly since div school, I'm, I'm still trying to contemplate what that means. Um, in terms of what is the new church, what is not the new church, but what does the church look like today? Yeah. Um, because I think that that's changing. I think, you know, my experience is an example of it. The fact that my audiences are often full filled with people who are coughing when they say that they're a Christian, they're lost because they don't know how to say it and they wouldn't be caught dead in a church. And yet there's some of the most deeply, uh, seeking, willing, God-fearing people I've met, you know, so what does that mean? And, and I think that kind of the, the new future for me is, is, is contemplating what my role in that is in a way that I think in terms of like the difference between, you know, when I was younger and now is now I actually want to lead people to a place. I just want to make sure that I'm leading to them to the place that I'm willing to be responsible for having led them. Yeah. Um, What's saving your life right now? PlayStation. That's almost, <laughs> that's, that's way, I, I give that answer way too often. <laughs> you know, rest, to be honest, rest is, yeah. is saving my life right now. Um, I, you know, we've talked quite a bit about the divinity school experience. I just graduated in um, May in that two year time. Like you said, it's like getting theology from a water hose or a fire hose um, and at the same time, I, I did a record and toured. So I am, I've been pretty much just trying to relax over the summer. Yeah. And uh, right now, just being able to, to just relax is I've had, I've been to Canada on holiday this, well, I went up to work, but I had a little time to just get back into nature and walk around. I haven't been able to go camping yet because time hasn't permitted, but yeah, just some self care and regeneration time is honestly, it's been it's, it's been so good and it's not really a super exciting answer, but to be honest, like I have been home for the last three days and I'm cooking a curry this afternoon and it uh, pleases me so much. Good. I haven't read any, I haven't read any theology books for like three months. It's been fantastic. Yeah. You're going to need a little breather. <laughs> um, where do you, where would you say you encounter the divine the most? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, I hate my answer. Um, around like seeing people like moved, like it, it shows. I think. Uh, yeah, I was wondering how that how that is for you now. Yeah, like on on the good nights, like I don't know how to explain it. It's not like I perform well. It's, it has nothing to do with me. I I just I know I don't know how to explain it because it just so doesn't have anything to do with me we're all there and we're all just kind of enjoying that moment. And, and I don't know, like I, that's where I experience the divine. Like I, I just close my eyes and I'm, I'm doing a song, you know, and I don't know, I get lost in it. I'm not 
thinking about the room. I'm not trying to control the room or I'm not, I'm literally gone. Like my body and my voice are working. And every once in a while, I actually wake up in the middle of a song, (laughs) like doing that. And I'll make a mistake. Like my hands freeze. Yeah. And you know, I become aware of my surroundings a little bit. Like that's a personal experience for me. Yeah. But at the same time, like that, I can see that happen in a room in a collective, like with, with a room full of people who are willing to be present and available to each other and to a moment that they share. Yeah. And I I realize that may kind of sound a little bit ridiculous, but I don't think it is. I mean, you walk down the street and everybody's got headphones on. Everybody's got a mobile phone. I know it's easy to like, you know, it's, it's the common trope of the day, right? To make fun of everybody being plugged in and technology and overwhelmed with, with noise and advertisement, but man, it really is a thing like to get hard. Mm. It's really hard to get people to just sit down and be involved in a moment together. Right. And to see a room of, you know, a hundred people do that. And strangely, it's not about me. It's about what happens when people are like, not serving themselves. Like none of us in our room are there to take from anyone else. Yeah. We're putting it. It's weird. It's like this weird kind of participation. Like you're putting a little bit in and you're taking a little bit from it. And we all just kind of, it's hard to explain how I look up and I can tell that none of us in the room are taking credit for what's happening. Right. It's, it's extraordinary. Uh, and by the way, sometimes there's music. <laughs> like, it's so weird. <laughs> right, right, right. That's wonderful. Um, why is faith still important to you and and how do you feel like it's evolved and matured for you, Mm. especially through the div school process? The div school process is like, it takes your whole being, mind, body, spirit, all of it, you know? Um, and a lot of people end up coming out and I, I just, I feel like we're very similar in that we've always kind of been theologians studying and reading and just love this stuff. So to me, it just strengthened my faith. It wasn't this tear down moment. A lot of people felt like it was too deconstructive, but for me, I was just like, yeah, I mean, there was certainly some deconstructive parts, but I was more interested about constructing things. Um, So I didn't feel that traumatized by div school if you will but I know a lot of my peers were yeah no I I didn't yeah I'm similar to you I didn't I'd I'd gone through a hell of a lot of deconstruction before I got there yeah Um, that's yeah you know I I don't know like faith for me now I isn't that kind of where you were asking me yeah like I I'm, I'm, I have to confess that I'm deeply intellectual <laughs> about, you know, I, I think, yeah. and maybe, you know, maybe I've, maybe that's just me kind of trying, maybe that's my version of prayer. Um, cause I, I would say to you, like, I'm Absolutely. not, I'm not a prayer, but I know that's the reason why I say I'm not a prayer is because I don't get on, you know, I'm not Norman Rockwell getting on my hands and knees and crossing, you know, my hands and saying, you know, if I die before I wake, I pray, you know, I'm, I don't have a, I don't have the traditional ritual to that, I think. But at the same time, like, I, I, I just don't know how to turn off 
always wanting to move toward life. Mm. Like that's, that's, that's some, that's what's compelling to me about Christianity. I think that keeps me moving forward and life, love, not, you know, not necessarily like, not, not wealth, (laughs) not good times, not, not easy. You know, it, it, things are difficult. Like I, I don't mind hard and I don't mind challenging or even bleak, but faith, the reason why Christianity in particular is the language that I use for, for faith is because I deeply, deeply believe in, in life and in the possibility of redemption Hmm. and in, in the amount of grace that it takes to have life. Mm -hmm. I care about them so deeply that I've, I've, I've come to appreciate them over the years in such a way that the, the factuality, uh, like I, I talked to somebody the other day who was, was talking about, you know, it was too difficult for them to believe in the, the resurrection as being a, a physical thing that actually occurred. Right. As, as one kind of concept. And I let that, I gotta be honest, I let that go a long time ago because. Yeah. I, I don't want to hurt anyone. I don't, there's no claim for me to make in that space. There's no claim for me to make. I I don't know. I wasn't there, but I can tell you, I can tell you what this means when we talk about it. Yeah. There's a possibility for us to find a renewed life where we previously thought there was none. Yeah. I, I cannot give that up. I I don't know how. Um, And so if, if there's something that is, in the way of that, then I want to know my way around it. (laughs) So that's what, that's what my faith is. It's, it's this constant moving toward what it means to be involved in that process. And to me, part of, part of the condition of that is signing on to life that you will be a participant in making life possible. Yeah. And what does that mean that, that you know there's a thousand ways you could go with ethics and social justice yeah. and theology spiritual practice and tradition um what does it mean to love um all of those things are i know they're just one they're just single words but i don't know how to give those up and i don't know how to explain how deeply and they they are embedded some somewhere inside of this process that yeah that even though that I may not necessarily have a vocation that's tied to Christianity specifically, um, it's strangely embedded in all that I do. And, and even more offensive to me, if you want to turn it into a religion, strangely enough, because it's, it's the, like I said, I think somewhere in there, it's, it's, it's a, it's to me, there's something quintessential about, the resurrection that is an escape from bondage, like that we understand and we relate, like what is freedom and what does that mean for us to be able to have that are deeply meaningful questions. And how do I do that in a way that isn't just trying to get whatever I want. Right. Yeah. If, if I say that, you know, I love Paul, I go back to Paul. I know as a gay person, it's hilarious that I would quote Paul, (laughs) 
but it's, it's always stuck with me for years. I, I have contemplated this for 20 years. You know, Paul says, you know, not every, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Right. And that's a concept for me that, that really challenges me to understand what it means to know the fullness of God and liberty. Yeah. And yet I live in a church. I grew up in a church that keeps telling me that everything is not permissible. (laughs) And I want, I want to, to communicate. I think this is kind of goes back to the divinity school process and why I I enjoyed being able to go back to that and say, listen, I want to know what that means. Yeah. Because I, I, I know for a fact that not everything is beneficial. (laughs) (laughs) I have paid my dues on that one. Yeah. Yeah. But what I want to know is what I want to be able to know the, I want to be able to find the things that are there. If everything is permissible, it basically says I am so screwed if I don't know my way how to navigate this. And you know, like I will get into some pitfalls and that's, that's, I want to be able to find a pathway that, that does bring that life and that joy. And so that's my process. And I I don't know it. Some people wouldn't call that a Christian. I mean, I can hear the voices in my head of people that I've, you know, gone to been with this in in my life going, that's not a Christian. You're a, you're a philosopher. (laughs) You know, that's not theology. That's philosophy, but it's, you know, it's, it's that tradition of Christianity. I think that we do actually have confidence that we do have the capacity to, to understand something about the divine. But I also think it takes us sharing our wisdom and, and our time to be able to listen to that. And I guess I I have faith in that. I have faith in that process that, that I'm invited into it. And so I keep saying yes. Your honesty and authenticity is um, extremely faithful to me. And uh, that's one of the things I loved about your music is that you took your faith so seriously, you care so deeply, and you're you're just um, being you, you know. In each step of your albums, you've been you wherever you've been at, and uh, it's brave and courageous. And um, I see it now in your, your new work and your nonprofit. Always love to wind and roll That's why we're standing here right now Yeah, we found our way somehow When I think of all you've traded Let me wonder why you've waited Waited for me to lock it down Let this ring that's on your finger remind you that love comes back around. No, I never had a love, but I will give you all I've got. I don't know why I'd be. Thanks again, Jennifer, for sharing your story and being such an awesome role model and rock star. To conclude our time with Jen, I just wanted to give you all a little info about her nonprofit organization called Inside Out Faith. Inside Out Faith seeks to actively engage faith communities in order to educate, affirm, and foster support of LGBTQ persons and their allies. 
Their goal is to shine a spotlight on the incredible people and stories that celebrate the diversity of integrated faith and sexuality. By introducing faith communities to LGBTQ authors, artists, clergy, allies, and everyday people alike, we can begin to heal, affirm, and celebrate what it means to love without exception. So if your church or community would benefit from these types of conversations, you can book one of their speakers. Just visit their website, insideoutfaith.org. Thanks for tuning in, y'all. We'll be back next week with a What's Going On episode about Colin Kaepernick and Nike. Also, if you're in the OKC area this Sunday, I'll be teaching a Theology 101 class at Grace Church Episcopal in Yukon on the sacraments. Also, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Theosophia on iTunes and check out our Patreon page. Have a great week, y'all. Peace. Think of all you've traded. Let me wonder why you've waited. Waited for me to lock it down. Let this ring that's on your finger remind you that love comes back Me